Hey everybody, welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today we're going to talk about David Platt and his new book, as well as the idea of being radical for God and where that idea might come from. I caught a snippet on social media this last week of Russell Moore and his podcast episode that he did recently with David Platt and his new book. And the snippet was just really short. And basically, it just said that David Platt really felt like his first book, Radical, wasn't radical enough. And that was enough to really just pique my interest and kind of get me going. I was starting to feel pretty frustrated. So I thought, you know, before I do an episode on something that I don't really know about, I should probably listen to the whole episode. And so I did this morning. I sat there and I listened to the whole episode and it was good. It really gave me some good background and just some ideas of where things are coming from and just the thoughts that he has, but it doesn't really change my perception of David Platt's perspective. So back in the day, years ago, when my husband was still a youth pastor at um, one of the churches in our area, my small group leader was really into David Platt. We did a lot of David Platt's books. We listened to a lot of sermons from him, series by him. And I I just wasn't a fan. And I'm sure that David has a very good heart. And I'm sure that he comes from just a place where he really wants to see people grow in their faith and their walk with God. He wants them to be authentic and, and uh, you know, actually follow God with their lives. Like, I get that part. But as somebody who was raised in religion and who had a lot of shoulds shoved down my throat, I just struggle with some of the ways that he comes across. And I have struggled with this in the past. It felt very religious to me. It felt very like these are the rules you should follow. Lots of shoulds, just a lot of shoulds. And so I already had a hard time with radical. And then as he's like, this book is, you know, radical wasn't radical enough. And I was like, no. So I listened to the podcast episode and it was really good. Like it was good to kind of hear his heart. It was good to hear him talking to Russell Moore. They obviously know each other. I respect Russell Moore and the things that he's doing at Christianity Today magazine. And so it was was good to have that kind of perspective because I know that my own perspective can be very jaded having gone through what I've gone through. But at the same time, it really just struck me that in his zeal for the church in America to actually follow God, which is what he wants. He wants us to live these radical lives that are laying aside the things that we love and hold dear here in America and really just putting our whole selves out there for God. And he really wants us to like not be obsessed with possessions and just really be willing to do whatever God asks us to do. And all of that is great. Like I don't have any problem with that. However, I have a problem when it comes across as like, these are the things that we should do. And I think the part where we maybe disagree a little bit, and I don't know because I've never actually had a conversation with David Platt myself, but I think we disagree a little bit on the point of the gospel. He used the word gospel a lot in his conversation with Russell Moore, but he never defined it. He said that the gospel was what should drive us to live our lives in these radical ways, that we should be really very interested in spreading the gospel to the nations, 
that we should be just obsessed with this whole gospel idea, but he didn't really define what gospel means. And I don't know where he falls in his understanding of the gospel, but as I'm hearing him talk about Christians, it reminded me a lot of people who are in the Lordship Salvation camp. And once again, these are people that are very well-meaning, very good-intentioned. I was inadvertently a part of this camp in my mid to early 20s because I just didn't understand any better. Coming out of my cult days, I felt like if you really were following God, then there should be actions to show that. If you really were a believer in Jesus, then there should be actions that defined that. And so it made sense to me that you should, you hear these shoulds that I'm using, you should make Jesus the Lord of your life and let him have everything that you have and just give it to him and surrender fully to him and that that would be proof of your salvation. I now see that more as just yet another version of religion. We humans are so quickly absorbed into religious things. We want answers. We want concrete. We want definite. We want definitions that make sense. We want to have answers. And I think it's very easy for us to say, this is what a Christian looks like, and these are the things that you need to do to prove that you're actually really a Christian. But I don't know if I believe that anymore. And I don't know if the gospel is really about, look at what God did for you, so you should be doing all these things for him too. And I don't know that the gospel is this transactional thing where we're like, okay, I give you my life because you gave me your life. And I just don't really know what I think about all that anymore. To me, the gospel is about transformation. It's about restoration. It's about being restored and redeemed. And guys, at its core, it's about us being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think that David and I would probably see the same concerns within American Christianity. I'm not unconcerned by the people who are just doing their thing and not really living for Jesus. Like, I'm concerned about that too. I'm also concerned about people who are trying to do all the good things for Jesus but haven't ever met him. And I'm concerned about people who have lots of Christianese thoughts and ideas but aren't being able or willing to hear other people's perspectives. So there's a lot that I'm concerned about. But I don't think that the answer is to do more. I don't think the answer is to strive more or to have these shoulds that are heaped on us with guilt and shame, making us feel like we need to be better Christians. I think the answer comes down to understanding the gospel and then allowing the truth of that gospel to transform us because the Holy Spirit is transforming us. I think that as we meet Jesus, as we understand who we are apart from Christ and what he has done for us and how much he loves us and we accept his gift of salvation and we allow the Holy Spirit to begin working in our lives, I think at that point in time, it really becomes about this transformation from the inside out. We have been restored to a relationship with God. This is what we were made for. And as we begin to explore that relationship with God, then we are changed. I'm doing a Bible study right now by Lena Abu Jamra. I think I'm going to mess up that name. I'm not sure how you say it. She says it so fast and she's talking that I can't quite say it right. But it's about God's faithfulness in the desert places. And this last season, we talked about Abraham 
And as I was looking at the story of Abraham, I was once again just amazed by the fact that God does not condemn him. And this is the thing I think we need to just recognize in our frantic desire to get people to start following God the way we want them to, is that I'm not sure God has the same perspective that we have. If you look at the story of Abraham, God calls him and asks him to come follow him into unknown places. And this was the first time God really interacted with just one person in a long time. Previous to this, you have the Tower of Babel, where everybody is kind of dispersed throughout the world with their own language. Previous to that, we have the flood. And so when Abraham encounters God, this isn't something that happened all the time anymore. And the place where Abraham lived in Ur was just a place of lots of different false gods. And so when the real God shows up on the scene and starts to talk to Abraham, I think it must have been shocking and amazing and made you realize this person, this being, is worth following. But if you watch Abraham's life, he does a lot of failing at first. Right away, as soon as there's a famine, he runs to Egypt instead of depending upon God. He quickly hands his wife, who's also his half-sister, over to Pharaoh, to Pharaoh's harem. And God has to step in and rescue them by sending plagues on Pharaoh and his whole entire household. And then Pharaoh kicks them out of Egypt. And God is patient with Abraham. And Abraham continues to have a lack of faith. Even though he's mentioned in the Hall of Faith, even though he's spoken of as a man of faith, being a man of faith doesn't happen right away. It takes time. It takes years. It takes getting to know God. It takes God having to rescue him over and over again when he makes mistakes. And yet you just see this patient, loving God that just comes along and takes care of him. And you don't see the condemnation that you and I often hear as people tell these stories. When you actually read them in the Bible, it's just God patiently connecting with this man until after 25 years, he gets his child that he has been promised. And then probably 10 to 15 years after that, has a relationship with God so full of faith that he is willing to sacrifice his only son. But guys, that's like 35 to 40 years of Abraham's life of growing with God. And I think that sometimes we want to jump right into this crazy faith and we ignore and push away the obscure, the mundane, the ordinary things of just having this ordinary life with God. Somehow our Christian culture has created this concept that you have to have these amazing, powerful, radical experiences, and we miss just the ordinariness of it all. That God is just patiently pursuing us, that he's helping us, that he's fixing situations for us, that he's coming along beside us, behind us, in front of us, and just pursuing us, that he wants us to know him. And so I want people to change too. I don't want people to be stuck in lies and in fear and in insecurity. I don't want people to be stuck in just having to feel like they have to hide their negative emotions or hide the truth about who they are and their brokenness. I want people to recognize that they are eternally loved by a crazy big and crazy amazing God who created them, died for them, and wants to restore his relationship with them so that he can transform them into the person that he's created them to be. But I don't think any of that happens in our own effort. I don't think we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps strongly enough 
or with enough force or anything else to make this happen. I don't think there's enough shoulds. I don't think there's enough behaviors to follow that actually creates anything good. I think it really and truly comes down to just us knowing God, us having a relationship with God, and then that relationship with God transforming our lives. And I don't think we can control the people. I don't think I can give you enough guilt and shame and shoulds to make you change. I think that I can introduce you to a real God who wants to know you and wants to change you and wants to dig through those broken places in your life and bring restoration and healing. I think I can tantalize you with stories from my own life of how God has met me and healed me even in the most broken places and taking me through the darkest valleys and the driest deserts, and yet that's where he has become so real and so amazing and done great things in my life. But I don't think I can tell you to follow any kind of a set of rules or standards or laws that will make you be a better person. So I guess that's where I am. I just want to encourage you guys, yes, it's good to follow God. But don't let yourself be drawn in by people who are using guilt and shame to should you into doing something that you are not at the place of doing. It's much, much better for God to draw you to that place himself. And so as we accept the true gospel, that Jesus did it all for us, there's nothing left for us to do. And as we just revel in his love for us, I think the next step is just beginning to become a person who's willing to surrender to him to his power, to his purposes for us, and just get into a place where we just hold our hands out and say, I don't know, but I'm going to let you do it through me. I can't do this, but I'm going to ask you to give me the power and the strength to do it instead. And we become people of surrender. We become people of surrender. Not people of striving, not people of trying to make it happen on our own, but people who are just willing to allow the spirit to do his work in our heart. And then become different people. And then we, we do different things because we are different. My heart has changed. So therefore, my behaviors automatically change. So guys, just keep seeking God. Keep looking for him. He wants to be found. He is so faithful and he is right there next to you. And I just pray that your eyes will be opened, that you'll be able to see him and hear him and recognize him for who he is. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love to have you join me over on my Substack at christylinwood.substack.com for newsletters, notes, and a community of people who are searching for the real God.